Welcome to The Rep. This is Julie Cortez. On July 10, 2019, I sat down with Victor Milana Ma'o, who will make his Oregon Shakespeare Festival debut as the 2020 director of Poor Yellow Rednecks, a new comedy by Viet Cong playwright Kui Nguyen. Welcome, Victor. Hi. Could you please start by telling us a bit about Poor Yellow Rednecks, a.k.a. Viet Cong 2, in your own words? Poor Yellow Rednecks is a sequel to Viet Cong. And what's really amazing about this piece is it takes some of the characters that Kui had written in Viet Cong 1 and placed them in El Dorado, Arkansas. They've made this big, painful, crazy, adventurous leap to America and put them in a small town trying to figure out what it means to be American. How do you uh, balance both worlds of being from a different country, and then trying to learn the American idiom, how to learn English. Do you give up English? How to be part of this American society? How to deal with bullying and being the uh, part of the otherness? And what really moves me about it is we take what used to be comic book characters and we add even more depth, even more music, and even more life in, in probably some of the most heartwarming scenes I've seen in a long time. What should people expect from this experience when they come and see the show? I think they're going to laugh a lot. They should expect to laugh a lot and just know that these immigrant characters are some of the most crazy, wild, intelligent, fierce characters they'll ever see. And um, what they'll do is they'll, feel a lot of music. There's, there's music and movement and rap and get a sense in that theater that they're actually one with the experience. When they sing, the audience feels that vibration. They're, they're like being put in a, in a magic Kui Gwen rocket ship where they're going to be taken to places that they didn't even know they could go. And that's part of Kui's power. The Kui's power is to transport you from a living room to like a rock star concert status. And what happens when he lifts us up, we realize the power of his family and his characters are more than what they look like, more than what you think they seem. They're not just a waitress. They're actually someone who is completely badass. They are someone who has that swagger, that savvy, who's not going to be talked down to. They're the ones who are going to fight for their kid and also at the same time deal with the heartbreak of what it means to arrive in America and feel the ramifications of uh, their lost life. And he does that beautifully with comedy, with a sense of a wink with a sense of heartbreak and a sense of um, this comic book uh, pizzazz. That's the only way I could do it because it is like no other play I have ever seen before. And if you think you've seen new plays, if you think you know what a theater experience is, Kui absolutely surprises all of us, even as I do the page turns now. I can't believe, oh, he just said that? Oh, he's doing that? And I can't wait for the Ashland audiences to meet these characters and, and see exactly what's possible in a theater space. It's truly a theater piece. It's really about 
what immigrants can be, who your neighbors can be. It blows up all our preconceptions, and that's what's exciting about it. Mm. Yes. What What would you say to people who maybe haven't seen Viet Gone, the first one, about them coming into the show? And then what should those who did see it kind of expect? What's the what What should they see? Will they see carryover? What is different? For those who have never seen Viet Gone, don't worry about it. Uh, these uh, these are standalone characters, standalone stories. You're not going to be missing anything. You're actually getting a set of circumstances that are on their own, and you get what it means to be an immigrant and a, a new family in El Dorado, Arkansas. I mean, all this, all the wonderful things about that, all the screwed up things about that, and then how do you fight? How do you fight through some of those complications? How do you fight around assimilation? How do you fight around being bullied? How do you make a life when you don't have much money? And what's going to be great for folks who've seen it before is the characters that they, they think they know and understand, these romantic heroes. As Kui says, this is not that love story. It's not like that happy, happy, uh, you know, jolly dance of a story. It's a place where we're going to experience more heartbreak, the complications of how Kui starts to understand his own superhero artistry. We start to see uh, a little boy, uh, a little, uh, little guy through a puppet. And those of you who've seen Viet Gan before will see that there's even more music even more magic and the relationships that are there are they're unbelievable they're 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 the sort where you go what parts of our life did we have to erase to reach this point today and so there is great depth there's a great investigation for uh, those who've been there before and a whole lot more laughs it's really really fun and tong the mother is more central in this play what uh, Kui has done in Poor Yellow Rednecks is he shifted the lens to his mom. It's the story where sometimes in uh, our narratives, the mom character, the female character, doesn't get the full, uh, the full exposure. And what Kui did is he flipped the story around to put the lens on his mom and has basically been wowed and humbled by her through his interview process and storytelling process. And what emerges is this superhero of a mom, a fierce woman who can travel between countries, who can fight for her child and give us a sort of a Asian American hero, heroine that I, that is so rare. It is really a love letter to his mom. And so when I read it, I think about it as a love letter to all our moms who, who don't get all the spotlight. And, uh, and she raps and she sasses and she absolutely carries that sense of also isolation with her. And how do you make things work despite sometimes feeling alone? There's a lot of great um, audiences, with, will, uh, audiences will relate to that sense of uh, can-do attitude, to that sense of I'm going to make it work. I don't, I don't know how but I'm going to make it work. And he honors his mom that way. And he honors these characters that way. I really loved what you were saying earlier about how in your approach to directing, when we were talking earlier, sorry, not during this interview, 
I really loved what we, we were talking about earlier about you being somewhat of a, a method director. You can't help but bring yourself into a production. And I also love you kind of drawing parallels between you and Kui and, and both having kind of childlike views of what is possible um, and what, what the limits are or, or that don't need to be there. Um, so I'm actually curious about what do you hope audiences will bring into the room and what do you hope they will take out of this experience? Hmm. What I hope audiences will bring into the room is a sense of open-mindedness around the different stories uh, about our neighbors. I think what the audiences should also bring into the room is a sense of adventure. It's for folks who want to go on a roller coaster ride, who want to go, you know, I'm ready for a thrilling theatrical time. Uh, I'm I'm there for the music, the movement, the lights, but also the story uh, that could, even though they might not look like me, is also my story. My story of my mom and me, my grandmother and me, uh, of how I was bullied or how I didn't quite fit in. I want them to come in with that sense of uh, open-heartedness and sort of adventure. If this is not going to be a living room play. What Kui literally does is he gives you a living room play, a living room piece, and then he blows it up into like this unbelievable spectacle. So just when you think you know what the the piece is going to be, the production is going to be, he 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 uses theatrics and lights and projections and a sense of even switching up language that that. Uh, people will be tickled by. And I think hopefully they'll find it delicious. Um, what are they going to walk out with? What I hope they walk out with is what they know and think is possible in a theater space of how immigrant stories are told. It's not all about trauma. It's actually about uh, an energy and uh, hysterical moments. And it's like really about joy and people's own agency to make their life, to be able to take what maybe little resources you have, however crap cards you've been dealt, and you make the most of it. And so I hope they walk away with a sense of hope and a sense of hunger for more stories, of getting to know more of who their neighbors are, of different types of narrative. It's an exciting time here at OSF because this is um, one of the centerpieces. And, and I think what's really truly, I'm truly grateful about is that, that they have uh, a need and a want for more of these stories uh, and that so much value and support has been put in. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. Another thing that will change about the experience for people who saw Viet Gone here is that we're moving from the intimate Thomas into the much larger Bomer Theater, um, Angus Bomer Theater. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, I think you said earlier you're quite glad about this. I loved the Viet Gone experience a couple of years ago in the smaller Thomas. What's great about moving into the Bomer is just the landscape that we could use. A, there's more seats, so there's more people rooting on these superhero characters. I, I always talk about them as superheroes, though they're deeply human. But with the technology in the space and with 
in the expansion of Kui's story and his imagination. He's really pushed himself. There is more possibility to use our theatrical techniques to, uh, to tell this story. And what's also really great about that space is for those who have not been to the previous production, it's a rewriting of how this play can be seen. It's in fact more epic. The sense of scale and childlike play in the space is going to be very evident. Uh, and I think that's a major plus. Victor, how does this play resonate with you personally? You talked about being kind of method and bringing yourself into any production you do. I was born in the Philippines, and just last month, I celebrated my 40 years here in the United States. So as an immigrant, I understand what it means to bring these stories from the margins to the center. And uh, I'm incredibly moved that the OSF team has given so much support and care to, um, to relaying these stories and putting it at the highest levels. Also, as a, an artist, I'm incredibly moved th about the stories that Kui is talking about, about assimilation, about what, what it means to try to navigate a new world and be taken as a whole human and not just a shadow of oneself or an object or some label. Um, so what I'm interested about in the piece is giving full form to all the heroes in the play and fighting for every character in this play. Um, and certainly to be a director in OSF's uh, season with Nataki uh, taking over in her inaugural season is an incredible honor and, and gift. And I don't know how many Filipino immigrant directors you've had here, but to be part of that is also a wonderful, wonderful story to be able to share um, and as the head of this uh, production. Well, I was going to ask you um, how you feel about directing this in the Jubilee year that is dedicated to bringing voices from the margin more into the center, but I think you've kind of answered that. Is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, it's not lost on me that this thing is really rare. It's actually too rare. OSF is one of the leading lights of that in the American theater. And uh, even with my uh, very blessed history of working on different levels, um, I know the numbers are still low. And uh, this opportunity is not one I take for granted. I, I understand it is... Um, one, A, I believe I deserve, but also one that I know is not one that comes too often. And, uh, and to have the artistic team uh, working to tell the story of the multiplicity of the Asian American voice and the complexity of the Asian, Asian American voice is really, really cool. Is there anything else you want to add? You just want to say to our audiences right now, Victor? To the audiences out there, I would... Probably say, like, don't miss your chance to see this play. Kui is his own sort of genius who is breaking boundaries and doing so in the most theatrical and brilliant and witty way. And what feels like a, a wonderful romp uh, with all these amazing characters and storylines, Kui is actually redefining what the Asian American story and what new plays and what the American story 
is all about. I wouldn't miss this chance. And um, OSF is giving the community um, lots of opportunities to see it and helping push forward that narrative. Uh, I wouldn't miss Kui um, for a minute. He's a guy that I met on his very first professional reading in New York. He told me that I had directed his very first reading. And um, this was back in 2005. So for me, having been now watching his work and having worked with him a while back, this is um, a homecoming to Kui's work and to also how he has challenged himself and grown himself. And uh, this is an incredible platform. And uh, I would invite the audience to come see this production. Well, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> this is so exciting. Thank you, Victor, for taking this time and uh, see you in 2020. Thank you. Looking forward to it. And that's it today for The Rep. Check out the rest of the series for more exciting interviews on our 2020 season. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at OSF Ashland. <laughs>